0: Hello and welcome to the Combat and
1: Classics Podcast. I'm Brian Wilson from Dallas, Texas. I'm Jeff Black from St. John's College in Annapolis.
2: I'm Lise Van Boxel from St. John's College in Santa Fe, New Mexico.
0: So today we are doing Philoctetus by Sophocles. Lise is going to give us a little background on the play and start us off with our opening question.
2: Okay, thank you, Brian. So this play begins um, with an exchange between Odysseus great hero from the Trojan War, and uh, sort of often stand in as Socrates, a metaphor for Socrates, or Socrates uses him that way. And he's talking to Neoptolemus, who's Achilles' son, about trying to um, deceive Philoctetes. He was a hero in the war, but he was abandoned on an island because he um, was bitten by a snake, apparently, that left him uh, with his festering foot that nobody could tolerate having on the ship. And so they had to deposit him and they left him there. Odysseus has now returned with the to pick him up and claims he needs the to help him deceive Philoctetes so that he can bring at least the bow that Philoctetes has back into the war because they apparently need at least it in order to win. Um, the a drama ensues, which I think could reasonably be described as a sort of battle over Neoptolemus's soul or mind, um, where the two adversaries are Philoctetes on the one hand and Odysseus on the other. Um, whereas Odysseus is a proponent of using tricky speech or deceit in order to get what one needs to get done done. Uh, Philoctetes wants to claim that lying is ignoble. And so there's this back and forth, and Neoptolemus sort of has to navigate his way through this debate to see whether or not he is willing to lie, as Odysseus has asked him to do, in order to get this bow. Um, so I want to understand the terms of this battle a little bit more, but I want to go at it indirectly. My question is: What is the significance or meaning of the bow itself?
0: Hmm. That is that is an interesting. I was not expecting that.
1: <laughs>
0: for for hopefully our like longtime listeners, if you're like reading some of this stuff, uh, you're kind of coming up with questions ahead of time. And that was not in my top twenty. It was let's talk about the weirdest one I had was let's talk about the birds. But that was because we did Aristophanes like a little while back. It's like oh, it keeps mentioning the birds. I wonder if there's a tie in there. The bow. What is this Im- well, let's let the, let's let the smart people talk, and I'll just shut up. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe the place to start is with the thought that um, Philoctetes himself and Philoctetes' military skill or abilities could be separated, right? In other words, the bow looks like it's um, a weapon that comes from Hercules. Maybe Neoptolemus has a hope of wielding it himself. And it looks like he's initially under the impression that that's all he needs. He doesn't need Philoctetes' person to accompany him. Uh, back to Troy. He just needs the bow. If he can get his hands on the bow, um, he himself with the bow will be able to uh, cause Troy to fall. So uh, it looks to me like uh, it might be an attempt, uh, at least initially, to somehow divide the objectionable parts of Philoctetes from the useful parts of Philoctetes. And it would be interesting if the two of you think that this is a good direction to go to see how that separation plays into Neoptolemus' initial willingness to try to deceive Philoctetes.
0: I think there's, I mean, I was actually trying to not do as many conspiracy theory like hypotheses as just kind of popped into my head. Um, Because Odysseus, you know, because he is the master craftiness guy, you know, he, he puts, I think it's around line 1050, uh, where he says, um, you know, we'll just take the bow, um, and we don't need the guy, and, and Teucer can wield it. Or, you know, I can, you know, if Teucer can't. And so part of me was like, I wonder if this was kind of Odysseus's plan all along, was to just use Neoptolemus, because he's Achilles' son, to get the bow. And then something, it didn't it didn't occur to me what you mentioned of Neoptolemus wanting to use the bow um, on some level, but that Odysseus would want to use the bow was definitely like popped into my head of, you know, he wants to he wants to be the guy that conquers Troy. So maybe this was all kind of a ploy to get to allow him to do it.
2: Let's, so let's reel it back a little bit. Um, I do have a conspiracy theory, Brian, that you'll really like, but it's... <laughs> You got. You got to think. I can't wait. In
0: these things. I can't wait. We got to. We got to build it up, though. We can't just give it. To well,
2: us. I, can't, I keep wondering, like, when should I let this drop? But um, I, there's so much to talk about that. But and, oh, I just want too much buildup and losing too much time. But let's start with the smaller thing. The claim. I'm just looking around line 50. Um, Odysseus. When I said there's a sort of battle over um, Ptolemus's soul, this is a, Odysseus's side of it. He says, "Son of Achilles, you must be noble." in what you've come for not only physically but if you hear something new that you haven't heard previously you must be of service since you're here as a servant so i take it uh the suggestion is you already are noble physically and he goes on to say that's that's sort of his nature neoptolemus's nature but neoptolemus while he's winning willing to do what he needs to do to win a physical battle like like uh arm to arm combat, etc. Um, he, at this point, isn't willing to do mental battle, right? Uh, and that's what Odysseus is willing to do, right? He says, when I was young, um, I'm looking at just around line 96 or so, when I was young, I too had an idle tongue and an active hand. But now as I go forth to the test, I see that among mortals, it's speech, not action, that leads the way in all things. And of course, then later on, I feel like, Tedes says to Neoptolemus, um, if you, to to behave nobly is not to deceive. So he says at 475, those who are noble hate what is shameful and win glory by their generosity. If you fail to do this, the reproach for you will be ugly. But if you do it, my son, you will gain the greatest glory. So again, the, the battle seems to be over deception. So I can't stand it, Brian. I have to drop the big conspiracy theory. But <laughs> <laughs> you could tell me. We can. Well, maybe you'll just love it. But if not, we can work on it. I'm oh, sure, I will. Um, I think that um, the God that shows up at the end is Odysseus disguised. Oh, because <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, he is so cunning. I think. And I think he had that pretty much. He had a number of tests um, that, that he'd arranged. Um, to see if Philoctetes could be reasonable. I suspect he thinks he won't be, but then he sets them up for Neoptolemus to see whether or not Philoctetes will be reasonable. And Philoctetes, he fails those tests, um, at least from Odysseus's standpoint. Maybe there's another one we'd like to examine. But Odysseus always thought at the end, I'm going to have to show up and, and present myself as an, as an authority because he's, and that, and that would mean ultimately as a god. Hmm. Because Philoctetes will be able to obey a god, but he won't be able to obey a clever human being who's trying to persuade him. Hmm.
1: There is, uh, I mean, there may, may be a number of circumstantial things that support that. There is one maybe explicit thing in the text that supports that, which is uh, that moment where, and it's soon before Odysseus disappears uh, from the play as his, his own person, um, where he says, uh, when Philoctetes says to him, Who do you think you are? he says, I'm an instrument of Zeus and I'm doing Zeus's will. Right? So it looks like it's not a big step from that claim to an actual disguise that would be equivalent to that, namely being in the disguise of of Hercules.
2: Yeah. He also oddly shows up uh, very, very briefly. He he leaves, he comes back very briefly, at which point uh, Neoptolemus intends to shoot him, right? And Neoptolemus stops him. And so it's very, very quick appearance and disappearance again. Um, And I interpret that as Odysseus primarily Trying to show Neoptolemus, after Neoptolemus has reservations about using deception, that um, this man, uh, namely Philoctetes, is not going to persuade. So you, you either take him by force or you use deception, which is Odysseus' preferred mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So segueing on what you were talking about there, at least, I'm wondering also, like with Neoptolemus and how much he's like a playing a part in this, and maybe isn't as honest as maybe he thinks he is. I I get the feeling he is, but why does he not mention kind of Asclepia and the healing thing until like the end of the play? Like, why is that not presented like early on to Philoctetes? Like, he just kind of drops it at the end. And that's kind of what helps, I think, that and, you know, maybe Odysseus showing, I mean, let's just say it. I mean, Odysseus shows up at Heracles. Um, You know, why, why does he leave it till the end to mention like Asclepia, you know, being able to heal him?
2: I was thinking uh, the name Neoptolemus is interesting to me. One possibility is that, again, if it's a battle over Neoptolemus, which the name means new war, maybe that means new kind of war, and that it's important for Odysseus to bring together the noble physical prowess of Achilles, who I actually think is also very bright, but not tricky, Um try to bring that aspect of Achilles together with mind. Um, and that much of the play and the unfolding of information, including the fact that you just highlighted, Brian, uh, is necessary to to show Neoptolemus the importance of actually being able to be deceptive, to fight with words, to use your mind, as opposed to always trying to duke it out. And maybe to show him what you briefly touched on, Brian, that I, I think Neoptolemus is a very impressive human being and genuinely noble, but um, he does he is willing to lie. But that begins with um, including a lie to himself about his willingness to lie, which I think mm-hmm. is quite typical of a certain type of noble human being.
0: Yeah, that was very interesting, like the the kind of emotional journey that he's going on here, right? He's got this conflicted loyalty of, you know he's trying to follow. The orders right go get the bow he's put in a very difficult situation right um why why odysseus gets the gig is also kind of interesting right i mean like why would you send the guy that like this guy hates you know uh and so he's got to have that cut out of neoptolemus to actually do it but then neoptolemus you know is is you know pushes back initially but then goes then says okay but then says no right can't do it gives the bow back so i'm wondering like when we talk about neoptolemus kind of nobility of spirit and this kind of concept of the new war like is is neoptolemus kind of more noble in the end or or less i guess would be the question
2: nice question could i hit you back with another question Bring mm-hmm. in a military tie-in um he becomes kind of like a special ops guy, doesn't he? That is <laughs> um maybe the thing to do is to look at the moment when Neoptolemus is convinced at least uh I mean he he seems to walk back from this position, but early on he just says no to Odysseus, I don't want to deceive, and there's a back and forth, and then there's a moment when Neoptolemus says, "Okay, I'll I'll do it." Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm interested in that moment, too. It's line 120 uh, in the text, and it looks like uh, when Neoptolemus says, I will do it, the thing that is said immediately before that by Odysseus is that you would be called clever and at the same time valiant. And it looks like it's the suggestion that you can somehow combine um, what Odysseus is, Sophos, right, clever, clever guy with what Neoptolemus is and understands himself to be a good guy, a valiant or brave or worthy guy, that these two things can be put together is part, I think, of what reassures Neoptolemus that he can go ahead with this and finally be persuaded. And so I'm interested in uh, this suggestion that the whole um, course of the play is for the sake of somehow educating Neoptolemus uh, because I don't think, at least if Odysseus's own insight is the standard, that uh, what's accomplished with Neoptolemus uh, reaches that level. It looks to me like it's partial. Um, and so I wanted to, to um, push back or complicate a little bit the idea that Neoptolemus eventually is uh, converted over to the advantages of trickiness. Um, is, it, is he only a partial convert?
2: Well... Well, let me just push back a little bit, Jeff, before we, we go there, um, and I guess tie back into Brian's previous comment. Isn't it, is it the case that he thinks he can, and Odysseus uses this word at, at 80, um, contrive now, but at least appear to be just on another occasion? Or is it, which it would look like a moral dilemma, and of course these things might not be mutually exclusive, or is it the case that Odysseus tells Neoptolemus, Look, if you don't have the bow, you won't take Troy. And you want to take Troy because you want the honor for taking Troy. And so you're going to have to lie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's the latter. And so uh, Neoptolemus understands the lying as a means to a good end, right? As something purely instrumental and therefore is not really infringing on the goodness of either himself or the end he's going to achieve. Huh, okay. Cause, right? And uh, I think I think that's a problem. Okay. Uh, I th- but go ahead. I, well, I,
2: I thought that... Okay, so you're suggesting he thought that the means did justify the ends. I thought it was... He might still object to lying, which um, he objects to later in the play, but at this moment, um, he he's willing to cover over his discomfort with lying. In other words, he still recognizes it as bad, but the desire for honor overwhelms it maybe we're not saying something different um yeah
1: i think we might be in agreement he thinks that um his lying can be contained somehow yeah right it's it's a distasteful thing but it's a means to a thing that's not distasteful but good yeah and so he's going to grit his teeth and do it
2: and this was why i thought brian it might tie back to your earlier comment that is i presume um if you think of something like old cowboy movies, right, John Wayne doesn't shoot somebody in the back. And I think that that's probably a fairly common type of sentiment among noble human beings and even amongst military types. But it seems to me if you're doing sort of tricky observations, that's why I said maybe special ops, you better get over that hang up, right? (laughs) um, But I, I suspect it probably is challenging for people.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, this is a super interesting couple of lines that, you know, uh, Jeff pointed us to. Um, I'm wondering if, if I can get one of you to uh, read, uh, I'll be the shady guy, um, like I'll read Odysseus and if somebody else wants to read Neoptolemus starting at, uh, let's see, uh, where Neoptolemus, it's like 108, uh, do you not find it vile yourself this line?
1: Yeah, I'd be glad okay, to so Jeff, uh, be the young guy. Jeff is, Jeff is Thomas. Guy.
0: I am his older, uh, <laughs> wise, cunning,
1: great big lying dude. Okay. And here we go. You forgot lie action. action. Okay, here we go. Action. Do you not think it disgraceful to tell lies? Not if the lying brings our rescue with it. With what kind of a face will one be able to utter such words? When one does something for gain, one need not blush. But what advantage is it for me if he should come to Troy?
0: His weapons alone are destined to take Troy.
1: Then am I not the one who is to capture it, as you said? Not you apart from them, nor they from you. Hmm. It would be worth trying to get it, if that is the case. You will win a double prize if you do this. What prizes? If you tell me, I shall not refuse to act. You shall be called a wise
0: man, and a good... Let it be. I will do it,
1: casting off all shame. You clearly recollect all I have told you. Be sure I do now that I have once consented. And seen.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
0: it's interesting in there, for me, um, you know, it, it's, the, it's the double prize. And so I think this is kind of what you're talking about with the partiality, Jeff. The, partial, the, the there, there might be a pseudo honorable rationale for what he's doing, right? I have to take Troy, right? It's been, it's been, uh, prophesied that I will just, you know, destroy Troy. I will be the one that conquers Troy. Um, I also want that for, you know, my honor, but that's like a subtext kind of not a subtext, but it's, I don't want that to be the main reason. So I think that's kind of embedded in there. I also think it's interesting that last line Uh, which in my translation, uh, yes, now that I've understood it, right? So now that he understands kind of the intent, which we talk about a ton in the military, um, and it's this super fuzzy way of kind of getting what you want a lot of times, uh, is, you know, explaining the intent in an interesting way. Uh, like I used to do that all the time when I didn't want to do something. I would just ask my boss, like, well, what's the intent? Like, what's your intent? And that basically means, well, this is a dumb idea and I don't want to do it. Um, and so, but Odysseus frames it in such a way in this, in this couple of lines that he appeals to, you know, the mission, right? Conquering Troy to a degree. And he kind of throws it in there. It's like, oh, by the way, you'll be known as wise and good. Wise and good in my translation. What was yours, Jeff? Clever and valiant. Clever and valiant, right? So he's appealing to something personal, but he's also appealing to the mission. So I'm just wondering... I think I mean I I still haven't resolved this like I for me I still haven't resolved like I want to give Neoptolemus a generous reading and say well he's doing it because he's got to conquer Troy right but how much of it is that he wants to be known as clever and good and clever and valiant.
1: Yeah, line one twenty. Let it be. I will do it, casting off all shame. Suggests that Lisa's reading is correct, right? In other words, he doesn't. He hasn't been persuaded that lying is not shameful. He's been persuaded that he's going to endure some degree of shame uh, for the sake of something else. Right,
2: and it. Um I think we might have alluded to this area of the play earlier on, but when Philoctetes is sort of accusing Odysseus of being unjust, or the gods are just, but you, you are not. Odysseus has that line, like, I'm the guy. I'm just the guy that's needed at any time. I'm that guy. So he, it's not like he doesn't have any kind of North star moral kind of moral guide. I don't think it's one that, that doesn't include his own good in some way. Um, but he is very flexible. He doesn't seem to have moral, typical moral laws that legislate, that that don't allow for prudential calculations. This is around, I'm looking at about 1044. Um, He gets accused. Philoctetes says, you know, you'll perish for the wrong you've done me if the gods care about justice, and I know they do care. And Odysseus comes back and says, you know, I could say many things in response to this man's words if time permitted. As it is, I limit myself to saying just one thing, where there's a need for such men, such a man am I. And whenever there's a competition of just and good men, you will find no one more pious than I. My nature is to desire victory in all things. And That's, that's of course, a tricky statement. That line, um, when it's necessary, you'll find no one more pious. I don't think that's uh, how a pious person might want to think about their piety. They would think, I'm always pious. But it looks like Odysseus is... Um, folding his piety into what's needed at a given time. I don't know that he's making that distinction.
1: Yeah, if I I could make this claim, it looks like Odysseus has the real combination of cleverness and goodness that Neoptolemus is um, hoping that he could have uh, at the beginning of the play, uh, maybe with some degree of self-deception. And so that's why I'm interested in returning to our uh, general conceit here, our thought that um, the appearance of Heracles is really the appearance of Odysseus in disguise at the end. Um, Do we have a sense of why um, Odysseus wouldn't just appear as Heracles from the beginning, right? In other words, he could say, hey, Neoptolemus, let's go. I'm gonna disguise myself as Hercules, go talk to Philoctetes and persuade him to come back with us. So uh, using that as our as our contrary hypothesis, uh, how does the way the play unfolds make sense?
2: Yeah, this ties up back to your earlier question, Jeff, which I, I, I uh, put off because I thought we wanted to cover some details, but I think we're back to it now at a point where we can address it. That is, it seems to me one could understand if it's a battle over Neoptolemus, um, you were suggesting that maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't quite become an Odysseus character, or maybe he sort of falls between these two other characters that are battling for him. And I could certainly see that, but I, um, but it depends on how one interprets uh, this action. Um, Odysseus asks Neoptolemus to go along with him um, It looks at a certain point like Neoptolemus starts to have reservations about deceiving Philoctetes. Then it looks like he decides he's going to back out of the plan. Odysseus accuses him, comes back as a god, etc. So for me, the question is, does Neoptolemus really have that doubt and back out? Or by that point, have they already talked and Neoptolemus is on board with the plan? That is, the whole thing is a ruse. So Neoptolemus pretending like... I. You know, I I don't know if I can do this. Is just part of the way of of Odysseus then showing the more fully how unavailable to persuasion Philoctetes is. And so let me take a slightly larger group if uh, view of it. If that's the case, the play becomes in a way um, an account of how a philosophic person or a cunning person like Odysseus manipulates people who are not rational enough to do the thing they actually want to do, and that's also good for them. I mean, Philoctetes sounds like a crazy person when he's trying to debate whether or not he wants the other men to leave or to go, whether he wants to leave or stay on the island. He can't articulate what he wants. He clearly doesn't simply want to stay, but he also just can't commit to going. And so Odysseus... I think might be saying to himself, look, Neoptolemus, I'm showing you for that person, they can't reason their way out of this problem, because they haven't really understand understood what the noble is. So in those cases, I will present myself as a god to let them off the hook so that they can now do the thing that they actually wanted to do, because they can say the God told me to do it. hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that uh, is pretty persuasive to me in the case of Philoctetes, right? So it really does seem like Philoctetes, um, the best situation for him would be to go and be healed, as Brian was mentioning, by the uh, healers who are at Troy, and also to win the great glory that presumably he's going to win. Um, I, I am a little puzzled about the the story of how Troy eventually falls versus the story of how Troy is supposed to fall, according to uh, this play. But leaving that aside... Um, I guess where neoptolemus is concerned i have some more hesitations um this would require us to say i guess that what looks like an emerging friendship between neoptolemus and philoctetes is feigned right because neoptolemus sees philoctetes as unreasonable and it's not possible to be friends with somebody you judge to be unreasonable right um but that i guess seems to me, to make a lot of the prelude to the appearance of Heracles um, a waste of time.
2: Well, it's uh, or I mean, I don't want to rule that out yet because I I'm certainly willing to be persuaded. But just pushing back on the other alternative, it would if Deoptolemus is learning how to become Odysseus-like. I don't know if he rises quite to that, but if he rises farther than the alternative interpretation we're entertaining. It might be important that he sees what Odysseus already knows about Philoctetes. You know, so there's that point where he, tries, he um, tries to convince Philoctetes, so he takes up persuasion, and Philoctetes won't listen. And he concludes, Deoptolemus concludes, you won't listen to advice, you have become savage. So I take it that it was just an effort. Okay, well, Odysseus, I don't know if I fully believe you, so let me try. But if he can't be persuaded, then fine, we'll go along with that alternative plan.
1: Yeah, and the pity-inducing aspect of Neoptolemus, I'm sorry, of um, Philoctetes then, is not um, a major player in this, right? In other words... Uh, the injustice of his being abandoned, the poverty of his condition, all these things. Um, Neoptolemus is not feeling that genuinely, but claiming to feel it.
2: Well, do we have to go that far? So let me walk it back. I mean, I i know I'm, I'm suggesting it's a very tricky play, but um, at the very opening, Odysseus claims, and of course, we don't have to take him as simply telling the truth. He claims that he left Philoctetes on the island like a child. He refers to both Neoptolemus and Philoctetes as, as a child in contradistinction to himself, who he, he implies as an adult. And he says the, that he was forced to leave. It was the kings who ordered to leave uh, him to leave Philoctetes mm-hmm. on the island. Um, we know, uh, well, it looks like he... It's convenient, as Brian noticed earlier on, that there happens to be what is it a, a seer on the on the boat or something that that sort of starts to reveal slowly some in, further information about the details of the winning, right. um, and one one could wonder, well, why didn't you just say that up front? Mm-hmm. My guess is because Odysseus is making all of this mm-hmm. up. So let me cycle cycle back. It occurs to me, since we if if we grant that he's tricky enough to to be the god at the end, uh, we where many uh, interpretations open up as to how where he might be lying or uh, elsewhere in the play. But it occurs to me that um, he might not have been ordered to go back and pick up Philoctetes, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe just the bow, maybe neither, but certainly not Philoctetes. But he first goes back to get the bow and then insists, no, actually it turns out we need both things, Philoctetes and the bow. And I wonder whether the whole thing, isn't Odysseus saying, you know, Okay, so we had to leave the guy under the circumstances that we were in, and I was also ordered to do it by the guys in charge of the whole um, battle. But I didn't feel good about that, and now that I have an opportunity to go get him, I'm going to do that. In other words, that there actually is, from a noble perspective, um, a high-minded reason for the whole event. But then within that noble aim, Odysseus is willing to do what has to be done Mm -hmm. to secure Philoctetes and um, to educate Neoptolemus.
1: So the the noble motive would be to redress what was actually a, a mistake on the part of Agamemnon and Menelaus, namely leaving him behind on the island that wasn't necessary, right? The reasons given are the smell, the sounds he makes, and his interfering with the sacrifices but maybe none of those things amounts to a uh, as serious a uh, reason for Odysseus as having a fighter who's very good with a bow, right?
2: Well, that or else I, I might even grant that, uh, you know, if you're in a battle circumstance and most of your men look like they might have some sort of rebellion because they can't tolerate this guy's stinky foot, mm-hmm. um, that you have you really do have to address that problem, which means you might have to leave that guy behind at that time, mm-hmm. but that it would be humane, uh, decent, noble to go and pick that guy up later on when you could, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that the kings actually don't care about that at all, but Odysseus does.
1: Well, can we um, press a little bit on what role Philoctetes plays in the new order that's put in place um, when Odysseus has been successful in his, uh, uh, you know, acting as as Heracles? Uh, how are we seeing um, how are we seeing his place in the in the new order or the new war that's being envisioned here?
2: Neoptolemus's place,
1: uh, Philoctetes' place.
2: Philoctetes, yeah. Place. Well, I guess the interpretation I'm pursuing could go two ways. One, one there's something to the actual prophecy that he really is in some way needed to do this, uh, and the other. And I guess I'll maybe I'll add a third. The other would be he isn't, that Odysseus is working with this as a way of justifying picking up the guy, uh, which he might not be able to justify to the kings otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and I guess the third one is some is a combination.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things that maybe support what you're talking about, at least, that I, I that I like. And you know, the first is um <clears throat> that the prophecy kind of changes, right? As it goes, like it, right. like Odysseus kind of massages it a little bit. And it's right. like, Neoptolemus is like, well, I have to have this bow to conquer Troy. Like, yeah, kinda, you know? And then at the end, it's like, well, no, you guys are gonna like protect each other and that's gonna be kind of what's going on. So he feels like he's kind of riffing on it. Jeff also mentioned, you know, Agamemnon and Menelaus, right? And there was their decision to get rid of this guy. And Odysseus, you know, in the Iliad kind of has to constantly... Undo like what Agamemnon and Menelaus want to do, right? Like Agamemnon and Menelaus is like, here's what we're doing. And Odysseus has got to be like, let's just, you know, hey, Nestor, let's you and I need to talk and uh, we need to kind of work this out and get the kings to change their mind, right? So like those seem to be the two things that kind of support that um, hypothesis of Odysseus is just kind of making stuff up. He's just like lying to everybody to get this guy off the island. And then... It's then it comes, and it's, well, the third thing, I guess, is that you know, from, from our understanding outside the reading, that this isn't how Troy falls, right? That this bow and Neoptolemus have nothing to do with it. Um, so we're, we're kind of left with either an option that we haven't thought of for why Odysseus is doing this, or that Odysseus just wants to get him off the island. And so then it's kind of, I think, ties back to Jeff's question of why go through all these steps, mm-hmm. right? Why go through all these steps to make that happen?
1: You see, I, I think um, Lisa's suggestion is right, that we should be looking for a new kind of war um, as a result of this play, and that it's Odysseus's machinations. But I had been thinking of uh, the new thing being a kind of unit of Neoptolemus and um, Philoctetes together, right? Philoctetes, like um, some of the previous heroes, uh prided himself on his independence, but now he's had this experience, really, of his dependence on others um, and his experience of great suffering. And uh, there are signs that Neoptolemus is like his dad, right, like Achilles in um, disdaining lying, but now he's had a taste of the benefits of lying. And so it would be like a second generation of um, Homeric heroes who are uh, slightly improved versions of the first generation and therefore slightly more um, tractable from Odysseus's perspective, more useful, more likely to get inside a horse and keep quiet <laughs> for long enough to take Troy.
0: I, I like that. Can I just add, though, the the thing that kind of I think happens at the end, and I was thinking a lot about this one kind of um, as we've been talking, is, you know, Neoptolemus kind of finds the win-win, right? When you were talking about like special operations stuff, you know, when I was a human guy, you know, we get, you get trained in all this manipulation stuff and how to like read people and how to like get them to do what you want. And, you know, at the end of the day, like usually the thing that works is find the win-win, right? Find the thing that they want and the thing that you want and make it work. And so at the end, we're kind of left with this, Hey, we're going to heal you. And we're also going to let you conquer Troy. Right. And so, there's part of me that is looking at this guy who's been on an island for, he's been on there for like, what, nine years, 10 years, something like that? And he's been out of the fight. And, you know, what appeals to someone more, right, than, you know, if you're wounded, if you're alone, um, and if you're a warrior, then to get back in the fight, to be back with your unit, and to, you know, win a stunning victory. And so it seems like part of it is, you know, how it's wrapped up, you know, Hey, I'm going to dress up like Hercules. Uh, We're going to go through all this stuff to kind of find what's going to, what the win-win is. But I'm wondering if it's not that in the end, they just found a win-win that that's the new kind of war is just like, Hey, just negotiate and just try to figure it
2: out. I mean, they are finding a win-win, but um, the way you put it, Brian would make me wonder why couldn't they have just negotiated without the appearance of the God. And, it seems very important to Philoctetes that he doesn't have to take responsibility for having allowed himself to do the thing that he kind of wants to do, um, that he claims, well, Odysseus says, well, listen to my authoritative words. He needs to feel like he's has some sort of um, divine sanction. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that seems right to me, and that would be, I suppose, a limit on his tractability as one of these new heroes, right? That uh, if you have to stage a fairly elaborate deception in order to persuade him to let go of principal positions that he's taking, then maybe the experience of being abandoned on the island didn't soften him very much at all.
2: Right. And so, would it be... <laughs> Could I start to answer my own opening question, <laughs> just th- sure. throw out um, an interpretation and then get some pushback from you guys or help developing it. But, so when I see Philoctetes with a bow at the beginning of the play, or I see that image, for me, that immediately evokes Oedipus. And in particular, the riddle of the sphinx that Oedipus solves, which is what walks on four legs in the morning, two legs at noon, and three legs in the evening. And there, of course, the answer is the human being as the human being moves through the three stages of life. uh, uh, Infancy, adulthood, and old age, when you have a cane, that's that's your third leg. Um, Here, something analogous is happening, but I don't think it's simply the same. And I think I would put it this way. It's still a riddle about the human being, but it's done Sophocles style. And here, the bow is a deceptive weapon, isn't it? It's not a weapon where you're hand-to-hand combat. You're standing at a distance from somebody, which in the Iliad is already regarded as a little uh, suspect in terms of you know, the manly man that wants to just meet everybody head-on. The arrows are poisoned, he shoots birds with them. The arrow even has feathers on it. It looks like a bird. So, the, so um, I wonder whether in this play we're supposed to see that man is a deceiving animal or an artful animal, if I wanted to be a little more flattering about it. And that's what, we, that's what the play demonstrates by leading us, in addition to the through Odysseus's, um, showing us this fact about the human being. That whether we know it or not, we, we we do use art and therefore deception. Um and then the question is really be clear about it and use it for the right end, um, probably within certain parameters. I don't I don't suspect that any means justifies the end, but um the ones used here seem to be acceptable. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's a detail in the Odyssey that really supports this, which is when Odysseus himself strings the bow, uh, In he's surrounded by suitors who are trying to marry his wife uh, without his consent. Uh, And just before he kills them all with arrows, uh, uh, Homer points out that the bow is like a lyre, like a stringed instrument. And uh, Odysseus is about to um, sing a song, as it were, Right, or tell a story by shooting them with arrows. And so it does look to me like there is uh, a connection, uh, maybe that Sophocles is playing on, also from the tradition, between the bow and a kind of uh, speaking or a kind of tongue, as uh, Odysseus himself would put it. Yeah. right?
2: Yes, yeah. and then there's even, oddly, so back to our earlier um, observations, that Neoptolemus and certainly Philoctetes don't understand the degree to which they already rely on art at least. Um, Philoctetes says what saved me is that I'm able to call forth the invisible light which he then connects to fire. Um, But of course one might think the invisible light might also be something like mind or intellect, but it's fire that saves him and fire in the myth of Prometheus is a symbol of art and mind and artfulness. Um, So he's willing to go that far, he's willing to use a bow the bow has got poison on it, uh, on the arrows, but but for some reason he draws the line there and thinks he's beyond deception, but he's not, right?
0: I'm kind of blown away by all this stuff. I think, I think this might be a good time to wrap up. We're about 45 minutes in. Um, and I think you guys have both kind of like... <laughs> dual mic drops at the same time clunk here's, right. here's some Plink. giant meta concepts <laughs> to try to wrap your head around after we've like really i mean this has been great like this i I've, you know we, we've seminared on this before in the past but it's, it's been a while and like you know the the emotional resonance that you think you're going to get reading this is kind of a veteran of, you know, hey, there's this guy wounded and he got left on an island, right? It is profound. But then, like, you get into the character of Odysseus, you get into the character of Neoptolemus, and then you try to, like, parse the other layers, you know, as ph- Philoctetes being, you know, not just a plot device, you know, not just a. Kind of um, symbol of sympathy and you know savageness to a degree, um, and there's just a ton in there. It's amazing how much like character is development is just kind of packed in this really short play. So that's just my plug. If you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not sure if I want to read this. You, like, you do want to. You do. Yes. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You the do gods want. tell you you yes, must. You do. Um, the gods <laughs> tell you yes. That was that was Hercules just jumped on the mic and uh, told you you should read it. Um, cool. Well, thanks, Jeff, and thanks, Lise And um, we have Phaedrus coming up after this, uh, so be on the lookout for that. And um, thanks yeah. so much, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Uh, here again for everybody soon.